Hillary blames every single person in America, except for you-know-who, for her election loss. Plus, we talk about President Trump and whether he's about to cut a deal with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And I give you the full Berkeley update. Plus, should ESPN fire Jamel Hill? We'll talk about it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So tomorrow, Hurricane Ben makes landfall in Berkeley. This is apparently the headline uh, that, we're, that we're getting from the left-wing media. And we will explain to you what exactly is going to happen tomorrow at Berkeley and how you can get standby tickets. They are sold out, but there is talk about a bunch of protesters having taken tickets and then walking out. And so we have a standby line. I'll explain to you how you can take advantage of that. Plus, I will give you the entire rundown on Hillary Clinton and why the Democrats are now saying that Trump may actually be, President Trump may actually be Teflon. I'll explain why that might be true and why it might not be true. But before we do any of that, first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Helix Sleep. So as I have said before, I am terrible at sleep, or at least I was terrible at sleep up until we got our Helix Sleep mattress. There are a lot of online mattress retailers, and they're popping up these days all with this one-size-fits-all solution. But Helix Sleep has a proprietary algorithm. They look at your weight, how, you, how it's distributed across your body. They, they run it through their algorithm, they ask what sort of mattress you want. Do you want it firm? Do you want it soft? Do you want it to be breathable? Do you want it to absorb heat? And then they send a mattress directly to your door. You pop open the box and it inflates right before you because it's a foam mattress. It is supremely comfortable. My wife particularly loves it. It's helixsleep.com slash Ben. You can take their simple two to three minute sleep quiz and they build that custom mattress that is the best thing you've ever slept on. It also allows you to have different settings for one side versus the other. So if my wife wanted to sleep on a different type mattress than I did, they can create a mattress that has two different sides to it. Everyone from GQ to Cosmopolitan to the New York Times talking about Helix Sleep, and there's a reason for it. Your custom mattress arrives directly to the door in a week, and shipping is completely free. Try it for 100 nights, and if you don't like it, you don't love it, they'll pick it up and they will refund you in full. Right now, go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. You get a $50 discount toward your custom mattress. Again, helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use that slash Ben. You get a $50 discount toward your custom mattress. Again, that's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Most comfortable mattress I've slept on. And again, use that slash Ben so that they know that we sent you and they uh, and they understand that their advertising is working well. Okay, so uh, the, the big story of the day is, of course, Hillary Clinton continuing to make the rounds. Before I get to that, I want to explain how you get tickets to the Berkeley speech. So it is sold out. Uh, they sold out all of the tickets in 45 minutes. They had actually closed the other 1,000 seats. We would have sold that out too, probably in the first 45 minutes as well, except that they closed the upper tier at this auditorium, Zellerbach Hall at Berkeley. They closed it because they were afraid that Antifa members were going to infiltrate and actually rip, I guess, the, the chairs off the floor. I think they're bolted down. They're going to rip the chairs off the floor and then start flinging them down onto the unsuspecting crowd members below, which is just insane. The answer to that, by the way, is more security, not banning a thousand people from the hall. That's that's absurd. But in any case, Berkeley does seem to be doing what they should be doing for security. Berkeley City Council today or last night passed a vote six to three uh, that said that the Berkeley PD are allowed to use pepper spray on violent offenders. Okay, how, how this is even a question is beyond me, but I guess I am the cause of that. So yay me. Uh, it's about time they started using pepper spray on people who get violent. They're rioters. They're not protesters once they start getting violent. Apparently, there have been a 20-year ban in place on using pepper spray against violent protesters because Berkeley is one of the world's dumbest places. So if you want to get standby tickets, then you can go over to the, the Berkeley College. Uh, you can go over to the Berkeley campus tomorrow. For those who reserved a ticket online, you have to pick up your tickets at a time prior to 6.30 p.m., on Thursday, September 14th. Any tickets that are unclaimed by 6.30 p.m. will be forfeited 
by those who reserve them, and they're setting up a standby line right now. There's a standby line forming a Memorial Stadium box office at the UC Berkeley campus beginning at 5 p.m. Starting at 6.30 p.m., they will start distributing unclaimed or forfeited tickets. Right now, I think there are only about 15 tickets, actually. But if that changes, then be first in line to receive all of those because uh, I have a feeling there might be more than a few unclaimed tickets. Uh, I think that there are going to be a lot of people on the left who reserve tickets just to make sure that there are seats that are empty. So if you really want to get in, then go over, to, go over to Memorial Stadium box office at the UC Berkeley campus beginning at 5 p.m. tomorrow, and uh, I will see you there because it should be a lot of fun. Widely anticipated, a lot of media coverage of this particular speech, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing all of you. So that is, uh, that is exciting stuff. Okay, so Hillary Clinton uh, is doing her own book junket. She will not leave. And this is the worst thing in the world for the Democrats because she was such a deeply unpopular candidate that she really lost the election more than Donald Trump won it. And I say that you know, knowing that, that Trump may have been the only Republican candidate who could beat her. That's not a rip on Trump. This is just to point out how unpopular Hillary Clinton was. She won fewer votes, fewer votes in Michigan than Donald Trump, sorry, Donald Trump won fewer votes in Michigan and won the state than George W. Bush won in 2004 in Michigan, and George W. Bush lost the state of Michigan. That doesn't demonstrate a vast Trump movement. It demonstrates Everyone dislikes Hillary Clinton. Same thing in Wisconsin. Mitt Romney actually outperformed Donald Trump in Wisconsin in 2012. Mitt Romney lost the state. Trump won the state. Why? No one showed up to vote for this lady. No one showed up to vote for her. So she now comes along, and she is going to give her explanation for why she lost. And naturally, the explanation for why she lost is because everyone is mean to her. It's just the end of the world. Everyone is cruel and mean and vicious. Her book came out yesterday, and apparently it is a heaping pile of garbage. There are amusing parts of it. I, I will admit, I've read some of the sections of it. I haven't had a chance to pick it up as of yet. It's been a bit of a busy week. And uh, I mean, frankly, if I can somehow put it off to the point where it becomes irrelevant to the news, that'd be great because I would not want to spend four hours reading her book. But uh, she is blaming everyone. I think my favorite part of this, of this book is there's a quote that came out from her book that is just astonishing where she just completely misses how it is that the Orwell novel 1984, what it was about. So she actually writes this in her book. Attempting to define reality is a core feature of authoritarianism. This is what the Soviets did when they erased political dissidents from historical photos. This is what happens in George Orwell's classic novel 1984, when a torturer holds up four fingers and delivers electric shocks until his prisoner sees five fingers as order. The goal is to make you question logic and reason and to sow mistrust. For Trump, as, as with so much he does, it's about simple dominance. So she basically says the big problem with 1984 is that it, it's supposed to make you distrust that the, the Trump's shtick is to make you distrust the press and the authorities, just like in 1984, which is not what 1984 is about. That's about why you should not trust the press and the authorities. The entire book is about not trusting the press and the authorities. But Hillary Clinton uh, is nearly as bad at literary analysis, apparently, as she is at things like running for office. Okay, so here is Hillary doing her shtick. She, she first of all rips the press. She starts off with, it's the press's fault. It's all the press's fault. They, they were just mean to me. If they hadn't been so cruel, then I would have won this election. Um, but I don't think the press did their job in this election, with very few exceptions. So the hard questions about what was real and what was realistic and what could happen with the right kind of election outcome we're never really joined. And so, you know, I found it frustrating, obviously, because I think I could have defended and lifted up a lot of what I believed we could do. But really, Ezra, when you get 32 minutes in a whole year to cover all policy, how does that work?
Okay, so it's, it's all be, she wanted to talk policy, but the media were just too mean. Now, what's hysterical about this is that essentially what Hillary Clinton is doing is she's saying the entire 2016 election was, wait for it, fake news, right? She's suggesting that the media didn't do their jobs. The media were all part of this evil conspiracy to stop her. Now, I remember when there was a guy named Donald Trump, and he said this all the time and continues to say it all the time. And the media say, how dare Trump? How dare he insult us this way? But Hillary Clinton says the same thing, and they just sit there and take it. Well, she's probably right. You know, maybe we didn't do our jobs this time. Maybe we should have been more sycophantic. The big problem for Hillary Clinton and the Democrats is that the media were so sycophantic during the primaries, they refused to acknowledge what a bad candidate she was. So by the time she was exposed to the light of day, she just withered in the light of day. If the media had been honest about what a terrible candidate she was early on, the chances that she would have not won the nomination would have been exceedingly, exceedingly low. I mean, the media bias is always to the left. The best example of this today, there's an amazing tweet from a guy named Chris Chaliza over at CNN. Sometimes I think Chris Chaliza does some interesting stuff, but he tweeted something today that's just incredible. Here's what he tweeted, quote, The Today Show did Ted Cruz porn video and Seattle mayor resignation in its first 10 minutes. Banner day for politicians. Okay, why do I bring this up? Because when he says the Today Show did the Ted Cruz porn video and Seattle mayor resignation, you have to understand what those stories are to understand how biased the media is. Hillary says the media are biased against her and Democrats. Okay, that's insane. The Ted Cruz porn video? No, Ted Cruz was not in a porn video. No, Ted Cruz was not caught watching a porn video. One of his interns liked a porn video on his Twitter account that he doesn't even run. Okay, that's the Ted Cruz porn video story that was worthy of Chris Chaliza's tweet. And what is this Seattle mayor resignation story? That's Democrat Mayor Ed Murray of Seattle, who's a garbage mayor. He had to resign because there was a fifth allegation of child molestation against him. Child molestation, okay? Allegedly molested five kids. Okay, and, and here he is, Ed Murray resigning. But how is that characterized by Chris Chaliza? As Seattle mayor resignation. Would you get from that that he was resigning because of alleged molestation? Is that what you would get from that? If you just read those two phrases, Ted Cruz porn video and Seattle mayor resignation, which one of those do you think would actually include a sex scandal? If you just read those two phrases. The Cruz one, right? But the Cruz thing's in nothing. The Seattle mayor just had to resign. He was, by the way, an up-and-comer in Democratic circles. There was talk about him running for governor of the state of Washington, Ed Murray. He's, I think, the first openly gay uh, mayor of, of Seattle. He's $15 minimum wage guy in Seattle. Progressive hero. Molested, allegedly. Five children. Five underage people. And Chris Chaliza characterizes that as Seattle mayor resignation. But no, we're supposed to believe that Hillary really, she was the one who was treated roughly by the media. Not Republicans, not Trump. It was really Hillary Clinton. Then Hillary said, you know who else is to blame? You know who else is to blame for all of this? I'll tell you. It was James Comey. James Comey was so mean. Here's Hillary Clinton explaining. I believe absent Comey, I might have picked up one or two points among white women. I'll give you the example I use in the book. So before the Comey letter on October 28th, I was 26 points ahead in the Philadelphia suburbs. That could have only happened if I had a big vote from women, Republican women, independent women. A week later, two, uh, 11 days later, I win the Philadelphia suburbs by 13 points. I needed to win by 18 points to be able to counterbalance the rest of the state. That wasn't just me. That's how Democrats win Pennsylvania in presidential campaigns. It stopped my momentum and it hurt me particularly among women. And I have so much anecdotal evidence for this. And now researchers are starting to pull some of this together. You know, all of a sudden the husband turns to the wife. I told you she's going to be in jail. You don't want to waste your vote. You know, the boyfriend turns to the girlfriend and says, she's going to get locked up. Don't you hear? She's going to get locked up. 
I mean, all of a sudden, it becomes a very fraught, kind of conflictual experience. What I love here also so is the, the, saying, the, the statement from Hillary Clinton here that it's all the evil men who are telling their women, these stupid women, if only the stupid women wouldn't listen to their men. It's their men who are turning them and saying, she's going to be locked up. And the women are going, oh, darling, okay, I guess I won't vote for her anymore. Like, that's how Hillary Clinton actually pictures her own female voters. I can't imagine why this lady lost. I cannot imagine why this deeply unlikable human being lost. Then she says it wasn't just Comey, it was also Russian meddling. So first of all, just to point something out about the, the Comey thing, yes, James Comey botched this thing all the way through. But if you recall, the botchery started with him not indicting her in the first place, not recommending indictment in the first place, by actively changing the standard of law back in July, instead of just handing over his recommendation to Loretta Lynch, he did the bidding of Barack Obama, right? He basically was writing her exoneration statement before he even interviewed her. You don't get to complain about James Comey when it's James Comey's fault that you were even running competitively up until the end of the election cycle. It wasn't just Comey, though, and it wasn't just the press. It was also the Russians, the Ruskies, the evil Ruskies. You notice there's one person who's missing in all of these calculations. Her name rhymes with Schmillery Blinton. Yeah, but Hillary, here's Hillary Clinton explaining that it was the Ruskies. That they, they, they won't After to the take her out. Election ...was how effective the Russians through WikiLeaks were in weaponizing information against me and how they were getting really good political advice about placement, both geographic and platform from somebody. And mm -hmm. we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, but we didn't really see that. That was not clear to us at the time in the campaign. And in retrospect, you know, we saw how if you analyze Google searches, they were spiking in places that had been sort of swing, had ended up voting for President Obama, but were, you know, subject to being persuaded by the other side. WikiLeaks searches were off the charts. People were trying to understand and they were trying to make sense of some of the stuff they were hearing on their Facebook, you know, feeds or a friend. Yeah, I love the implication them, here, by the happened. way, that they were cleverly weaponizing WikiLeaks. Okay, I was there. What WikiLeaks did is they just released giant caches of documents. The idea that they were strategic, re strategically releasing portions of them in various outlets just is not true. That's not how WikiLeaks worked. They would dump a bunch of documents, and then people like me and my staff would crowdsource them. Okay, that was just stuff that happened during the election cycle. But it was also the Russians. You know, it wasn't the fault of the DNC for not actually protecting their servers. It was the Russians. It wasn't Hillary Clinton's fault in any way. It was that Hillary Clinton was victimized by the Russians. So now here are the people she's blamed. The press. James Comey, the Russians, and now we're about to find out that it was sexism and misogyny. That's really what happened here is people don't like women, right? It was people don't like women. It wasn't people don't like Hillary Clinton. It's they don't, they don't like women in general. Like white women, who, by the way, went for Donald Trump by a pretty wide margin. It's that white women hate women. That's really the problem here. I was really quite taken aback at the attitude and the behavior of my general election opponent yes. uh, because he made no bones about it, literally. He was so sexist and not just about me, but about you know his Republican woman opponent, his women and reporters on TV and elsewhere. So it was really a part of the atmosphere. And I want not just women, but men as well to know this is endemic. Sexism and misogyny are still endemic. We've made progress, but we can't allow ourselves to go backward. And as I point out in the book, it never was just about me. I happen to have the big bullseye on my head, yeah. but it was about women. And in the months since, 
we've seen reports out of Silicon Valley and other businesses, uh, as well as politics, where distinguished women like Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris or Kirsten Gillibrand um, or, uh, you know, others in the media are being treated to a level of overt sexism. Okay, this is absurd. This is absurd. People don't like Hillary Clinton. It's not they don't like women. That's ridiculous. Okay, Kamala Harris is only being talked about for the presidency because she's a woman. She's been in the Senate for five minutes and done nothing. Elizabeth Warren being talked about for president is an absurdity. I know Elizabeth Warren. She's a professor at Harvard Law School when I was there. Okay, the idea that Elizabeth Warren is being talked about as a presidential candidate is an absurdity. Christian Gillibrand, these are absurdities. But the idea that these are being treated, oh, it's, it's, it's that sexism was unlocked in the last election cycle. No, what happened is that people got tired of people like Hillary Clinton labeling them sexist, and they didn't care what Trump had to say anymore. That's what happened here. People had a choice, right? They could either take Trump with, yes, some of his sexism, but at least he wasn't calling them sexists. Or they could take Hillary Clinton, who was lecturing them every single day about how they hated women. And that was an easy choice for most people. But no, it's that Americans are sexist. Americans are brutal and sexist. That's the real issue here. I don't remember Hillary Clinton speaking out the same way about any of the various Republican women over, over, the, course of her, over the course of her long, illustrious career. I don't remember her speaking out the same way when she was targeting Juanita Broderick when she was targeting Kathleen Willey, when she was targeting Monica Lewinsky. I don't remember her speaking out the same way in favor of women, obviously. So I love this revisionist history that it's all about Americans decided they hated women. Just like Ta-Nehisi Coates has, has said, Americans decided they hated black people. Hillary says Americans decided that they hated women. But it's not just that. Hillary also blamed Bernie Sanders, and we'll get to that in just a second. Again, everyone has to be blamed. And the reason this is important, folks, is because I don't think the Democratic Party has actually moved beyond this mentality. I think they are stuck in a rut. I think they're stuck in a place where they basically want a divorce from the American people over this election cycle. I'll explain in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at the USCCA. So we hear the stories in the news all the time where a guy's at home and somebody tries to break into his house and he has to shoot them and then the police wrongly arrest him and he ends up in the court system. We hear this all the time. Well, right now, you need to protect yourself. And you can take a simple rewarding journey to concealed carry and home defense confidence with the 2017 Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide. That is the Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide. It's from the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. It is 100% free. In it, you will learn how to detect attackers before they see you, how to survive a mass shooting, the safest and most dangerous places to sit in a restaurant, how to responsibly own and store a gun, even if you have little kids, and a whole lot more. These are all super practical tips. It is well worth reading. It is 164 pages, so it's pretty comprehensive. It comes with a bonus audio version, so you can even listen in your car. I know you like listening to the podcast. You can listen to this in your car as well. This life-changing guide comes 100% free for a limited time. You also get a bonus home defense checklist. Go to defendmyfamilynow.com right now. Defendmyfamilynow.com and register for 100% free instant access. That's defendmyfamilynow.com. Defendmyfamilynow.com. USCCA makes sure that you are protected in case you actually have to pull the trigger and prepares you for the situation in which you may have to pull the trigger and how to best protect yourself. Again, defendmyfamilynow.com right now for 100% free access to their 2017 concealed carry and family defense guide super cool stuff go and check it out defendmyfamilynow.com so hillary also is very upset with bernie sanders so she said yesterday that she beat bernie sanders in a landslide during an interview with npr she said she totally rejects that bernie sanders was the guy who's supposed to win the nomination she says i find this criticism from sanders supporters to be so off base he's not even a democrat Right, so this is the big problem is that he's not even a Democrat. He said, she said, he and his followers' attacks on me kept getting more and more personal, despite him asking me not to attack him personally. And you know, I really regret that. But now he's got a chance to prove he's something other than a spoiler. And that is to help other Democrats. I don't know if he will or not, but I'm hoping he will. 
right? So there she is attacking Bernie Sanders. Everyone has to be attacked. She attacks voters too, right? Finally, she ends up attacking voters. This, I think, is, is probably the best portion of her pathetic book. Uh, it's pretty spectacular. Here's what she has to say in her book. She says, since November, more than two dozen women of all ages, but mostly in their 20s, had approached me in restaurants, theaters, and stores to apologize for not voting or not doing more to help my campaign. I responded with four smiles and tight nods. On one occasion, an older woman dragged her adult daughter by the arm to come talk to me and ordered her to apologize for not voting, which she did, head bowed in contrition. I wanted to stare right in her eyes and say, you didn't vote? How could you not vote? You abdicated your responsibility as a citizen at the worst possible time, and now you want me to make you feel better? Of course, I didn't say any of that. These people were looking for absolution that I just couldn't give. We all have to live with the consequences of our decisions. Whoa. Whoa, there's only one word for that. Okay, and it's not... It's a five-letter word, and it's and it's not something I wish to say. I mean, that's that's really nasty stuff, right? Somebody comes up to you and they say, "I wish I had done more," and your first reaction is, "You little pissant! If you had done more to serve me, me, the mistress of all evil, then I would be sitting in the White House right now. It's your fault. You, you didn't work hard enough. I worked plenty hard. Sure, I took a nap every day. Sure, I collapsed into a van. Sure, I was terrible in debate. Sure, I was mechanical and awful and nasty and called half of Americans deplorables. But it's you." You didn't get out and vote. You, and I'm not going to provide you absolution. I am like the Pope, and I will never provide you absolution. I will never provide you absolution. Okay, it's no wonder. And then Hillary finally finishes up by saying, listen, I'm not going anywhere. You think I'm going to leave? I'm not leaving. And I am telling you, I'm not going. And she's, she's, she won't leave, right? I mean, she has nothing better to do with her time. What's she going to do, wander around in the woods like Bigfoot? So she's just going to stick around, sinking her claws into whatever Democrat starts to move toward the top, pretending she's helping them, but actually hurting them. Hillary is electoral poison, and much worse than Barack Obama was. And Obama didn't help anyone get elected. Hillary's even worse because at least people liked Obama, or at least people thought Obama was cool. People think Hillary Clinton is awful, and the more people see of her, the better. So yay, I, I totally am, am in favor of Hillary Clinton sticking around. I think it's great. Here she is explaining that she's not going anywhere. She's, she, she, she won't go. She just won't, like Jennifer Holliday in Dreamgirls. Here she is. There are many people, including some Democrats, who would be happier if Hillary Clinton stayed in the woods. Didn't write this book. Didn't reopen the wounds of 2016. Well, they're going to be disappointed uh, because I think it's important for people with my experience and my insight into what went on in the campaign, but more generally about um, our country, uh, to speak out. Clinton says she is done running for office, but she plans to keep speaking up. Oh, please, please do, please do. The thing is that Hillary Clinton, as just a human being, is an incredibly vindictive person. And you can sense the vindictiveness of the Democrats in her. Okay, she's a good avatar for their vindictiveness, that what they really are about is castigation of the other. If they really wanted to win, they'd run somebody like Joe Biden, right? Okay, I'm just, I'm, I don't, make a habit of giving advice to Democrats. If you wanted to win, you'd run somebody who didn't spend their time ripping on Americans as a bunch of know-nothing, sexist, bigot, racist, homophobes who wouldn't get out and vote for you because I deserved it. But unfortunately, that's not something that Democrats are doing. I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders actually got this exactly right yesterday. She said, it's kind of sad. It's a little bit sad, right? Here's Sarah Huckabee Sanders doing that. 
I think it's pretty clear to all of America. Um, I think it's sad that after Hillary Clinton ran one of the most negative campaigns in history and lost, and the last chapter of her public life is going to be now defined by propping up book sales with false and reckless attacks. Uh, and I think that that's a sad way for her to continue. It is pretty sad. Um, and thank God for the sadness of the Democrats, because otherwise they might actually be competent at this. Now, there's some conflicting information about what Democrats here are going to do. So Politico has a big piece today by guy named Edward Isaac Dovere reporting that Democrats are having trouble. They think that, that Trump may, in fact, be Teflon, that using Trump as sort of the, the rallying point for their crowd is not going to do it. Uh, here's what he has to say. He says, data from a range of focus groups and internal polls in swing states paint a different picture for the Democratic Party heading into the 2018 midterms and 2020 presidential election. It suggests Democrats are naive if they believe Trump's historically low approval numbers mean a landslide is coming. So what's the big problem? Well, there are a bunch. First off, Bernie Sanders' economic program is not convincing to people. So today, it came out that a bunch of Democrats, I've written about this and talked about it yesterday, a bunch of Democrats, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Gillibrand will soon jump on board, all of the front, Cory Booker, all of the front-running 2020 Democratic candidates are talking about embracing Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan. Okay, this is really stupid strategy. For a general election, it's really dumb. People do not trust the idea of a government takeover of the healthcare system. They didn't like Obamacare, and so the Democrats are actually doing something worse. They're talking about a full government takeover of the government healthcare system, throwing lots of people off their insurance because you have to pay for this somehow, and you somehow have to force doctors to take Medicare insurance in the first place. The only way to do that is by getting rid of the competitors in terms of reimbursement rates. You're going to have to force people off their insurance. That's what Medicare for all would probably mean. But Democrats are, are pushing that, but they're also actively undercutting the, their own point. When they, when they did Obamacare, they said, listen, Obamacare is not going to be about single payer. We're not moving towards single payer, guys. I mean, that's how dare you? That's President Obama said this. Well, this this is you know first step toward making healthcare better, but we're not looking at single payer. And now you've got every Democrat in the world saying single payer is on the table. The American people don't want any of that. Democrats Democrats in the base do. Radical Democrats in the base want all that, but nobody in Middle America wants a nationalized healthcare system. But Democrats are moving to the left on these economic programs in order to get that base revved up for the full-on election cycle. Big mistake, big mistake. I'll explain to you the other mistakes Democrats are making, why they're taking their lead from a combination of Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, which is a really terrible combination, in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at My Patriot Supply. So right now, you look at the headlines, there's a hurricane in Texas, there's a hurricane in Florida, there are tornadoes hitting the middle of the country, uh, there's a possibility that North Korea is developing an intercontinental ballistic missile tipped with nuclear weapons. All of that means that at the very least, you should have some food in your house in case things go bad. It's not too much to ask. For 99 bucks, you get 102 servings of breakfast, lunches, and dinners from My Patriot Supply. Get their new survival food supply for just 99 bucks, less than a dollar per serving. Order now at 888-803-1413, 888-803-1413, or online at preparewithben.com. It's 99 bucks plus free shipping, preparewithben.com. My Patriot Supply believes in old-fashioned values. They're good folks, so go over and work with them at 888-803-1413. 888-803-1413. Preparewithben.com again. Protecting your family for 99 bucks is a no-brainer. You store the food. You don't have to worry about it ever again. People at the office say it tastes like home cooking, so it's good stuff. And uh, there, you, you see how the shelves basically empty anytime there's any sort of disaster. Don't be the person who's caught left holding the empty bag. Uh, go to, instead, My Patriot Supply. Preparewithben.com. That's preparewithben.com. Okay, so as I say, the Democrats are now lashing out at the American public. And that's what we've seen for the last seven months. They just keep, the, the Women's March is a lashing out at the American public. 
the support for the Black Lives Matter movement. It's a lashing out at the American public. We're seeing a consistent lashing out at the American public. And it's really ugly, and that's what's driving people into Trump's camp. So what are their new strategies to fight Trump? Well, they're trying to move way left on economics, like Bernie Sanders, but as, the, as political rights, many of the ideas party leaders have latched onto in an attempt to appeal to their lost voters, free college tuition, raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks, even Medicaid for all, test poorly among voters outside the base. And the reason that they test poorly among voters outside the base, one reason is because this is all basic class warfare stuff. Right? The idea is there's someone screwing you, and we're going to rectify that situation. Well, vilification and nastiness is not going to help you. It's funny. In 2016, there was this general idea that Trump was the nasty guy and Hillary was the candidate of uplift. No, you basically had two nasty people going at one another. And, and Hillary was actually more alienating to, to Americans than, than even Donald Trump was, which is an amazing statement. Worse, for Democrats, Trump is actually being given credit for the continuing strong economy, according to Politico. And personal attacks on him have been so variegated, meaning that they, they've been so diffuse, that they dilute the message entirely. Voters actually don't care that Trump fibs because they feel like Democrats think of them badly. Like, who would you prefer to hang out with? The guy who tells you fish stories but is nice to you? Or the person who rails against you for being a racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe who needs his soul changed? And obviously, there's a reason that, that Trump is more popular uh, than some of the Democratic program. And all of the attempts to paint Trump as a closeted white supremacist have failed, too, because, again, the Democrats are just so extreme. Right? I explained this to Don Lemon on CNN. I'm amazed the Democrats haven't picked up on this. After the Charlottesville incident, when Donald Trump, I thought, did a terrible job of handling it, instead of Democrats staying on that, Trump immediately swiveled to defending Confederate statues, and Democrats, like the fools they are, decided to follow him there. That's a losing issue for them. And they're so radical that they're actually justifying a lot of what Trump had to say about the statues, right? Trump said, once you get rid of the Confederate statues, the next move is to get rid of the Jefferson statues. Today, report from Charlottesville, Students at the University of Virginia have now draped in black tarp the Thomas Jefferson statue. Thomas Jefferson founded the University of Virginia. He founded it. Okay, now they're draping his statue with a black tarp. And you wonder why people are resonating to Trump? Hey, Trump also has the advantage on immigration and trade in these focus groups as well. The biggest problem for Democrats is, that, is, is not Trump, it's them. They come off as people who look down their noses as, at, at everyday Americans who see Trump voters as losers and, and as morons, who see people who didn't even vote for Hillary Clinton as to be alienated, right? This is how they see Americans, and Americans pick up on this. There's nothing that people pick up on more quickly than a sneer. If you sneer at people, people pick up on it incredibly quickly. And people didn't feel like Trump was sneering at them. They may have felt like Trump was sneering at the media because he was. They may have felt like Trump was sneering at Democrats because he was. They may have felt like Trump was sneering at fellow Republicans because he was and, and fellow candidates, but they didn't feel like he was sneering at them. And they got the feeling that Hillary Clinton was sneering at them. And Democrats are having a tough time getting out of that rut. So their alternative was, OK, well, if we can't stop sneering at Americans, at least we'll, we'll, we'll castigate Trump as evil. But Trump has actually undercut that a little bit because now he's working with Democrats. How do you castigate Trump as Hitler when you're making a deal with him? When you're going to the White House, there's a meeting today between Pelosi and Schumer and Trump. Now, I'm not saying that's good politics for Trump. I think that making deals with Pelosi and Schumer is what he was elected not to do. But for Democrats, it's very difficult for them to make the simultaneous case that Trump has to be stopped because he's so evil, and then they go and work with President Trump. So it may not be that Trump is, is Teflon so much as Trump is rubber and the Democrats are glue, and whatever they, they throw at him bounces off him and sticks back to them. Now, here's, here's the truth. I want to mitigate this statement a little bit. Do I think that the Republicans have the upper hand going into 2018? I think you'd be foolish to think that. Uh, I look at the data, and what I see is Democrats winning some victories and possibly taking the House. 
Right, right now, the generic Democratic, the generic ballot has Democrats up anywhere from six to eight points in the congressional race. Uh, there was a lot of talk in 2005 about how George W. Bush was Teflon too, and then in 2006 he got blown out, and in 2008 Barack Obama took office with a Democratic majority in the House and the Senate, and nearly a supermajority in the Senate. Okay, so it's a little bit early, and it's worth noting that there are statistics that cut in favor of Democrats here. So on the question of who fights for people like me, Trump and the Democrats were split at 50% each in February. Democrats are now ahead by 17 points. That's a big gap that they've opened up right there. And we are seeing some Republicans retiring because they don't like working with Trump and because they're afraid they're going to be primaried. And we are seeing special state elections in places like Oklahoma swing Democrat. There's a plus 31 Democrat state seat uh, a Republican state seat in Oklahoma yesterday that swung for the Democrats. Okay, that's, uh, that is not good news for Republicans. All that said, though, the Democratic program right now is not geared towards success. It's not geared towards success specifically because of the scorn. If they don't get rid of the scorn that, Hillary, that, that drips off of Hillary, they're going to have a problem. They need a candidate with authenticity who actually does not sneer at the American people and feel like they are owed this position. If they don't do that, then they're going to be in serious trouble. Now, I want to talk about what's going on with the ongoing attempt by outside forces to manipulate President Trump on both sides. But before that, you're going to have to go over and subscribe. I also want to talk about ESPN, and we'll talk about uh, we'll, we'll talk about the iPhone X, the iPhone 10 release. We'll talk about all those things. But first, you have to go over to DailyWire.com and subscribe. For $9.99 a month, you can get a subscription to Daily Wire. That comes with my show live. It comes with our Daily Wire mailbag, which happens on Fridays. We're doing a special Q&A next Tuesday that you can be part of if you're a member of the Daily Wire team for $9.99 a month. You get Andrew Clavin's show live as well. That starts at 10.30 today, Pacific time. You get Andrew Michael Knowles' show at 12.30 Pacific time today. So you get all of those things for free when you subscribe at $9.99 a month, which is awesome. And right now, if you get the annual subscription, $99 a year, which is a better deal than $9.99 a month by a good $20 or so, Look at that math right there in my head. Then you also get this, the Leftist Tears Hot or Cold Tumbler, the greatest of all beverage vessels, something you will treasure forever. And when you are, uh, when you are dead and your children cremate you, they'll put your ashes in it and leave it on the mantle. Uh, so you, that, I mean, if you're going to be buried in this thing, you may as well get it right now. Leftist Tears Hot or Cold Tumbler, uh, you get that when you get the annual subscription. Please go over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Uh, that always helps us. Plus, go over to iTunes or SoundCloud, hit subscribe, leave us a review. The reviews do help with the iTunes ranking, so we always appreciate it. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast in the nation. Now, I've talked a lot about the Democratic failures, how they're going to try Bernie Sanders' economics, which is not popular and does not hold up with the American people, and how they've tried Barack Obama intersectionality, and how the scorn that Hillary Clinton holds for American voters is infused throughout the Democratic Party because they just can't believe that Americans would have elected Donald Trump. But on the other side of the aisle, there's a lot of confusion with regard to President Trump. What's he going to do now? So there's a big meeting today between Trump and Pelosi and Schumer. He had a meeting last night with a bunch of people, Republicans and Democrats, about his tax reform bill, and then he tweeted something out about tax reform, go Congress, go. Okay, if the extent of Trump negotiating on tax reform is going to be him tweeting, go Congress, go, it's going to be very difficult for anything to get done. We already tried this exact plan with health care. It did not work. Trump's going to have to be more involved than that. The problem is that Pelosi and Schumer offer him an easy way out because they come to him, they say, we'll pass stuff. We'll put our name on it with you. You'll get great plaudits in the New York Times. It'll be awesome. So we have to be very wary. The White House yesterday came out and said Trump has always been in favor of amnesty. Seriously. The White House actually said that. Okay, I was there. This is not true. Okay, this is, I know that there's an attempt right now to try to prop up Trump on the immigration issues. It's just not real. So yesterday, a Drudge Report 
put up a, a big headline about how Trump was finally going to start paving the way to building the law, uh, building the wall. <laughs> Not really. Okay, so here's what it said from KVOA. The Department of Homeland Security has issued a waiver to waive certain laws, regulations, and other legal requirements to ensure the expeditious construction of barriers in the vicinity of the international border near Calexo, California. The waiver was published in the Federal Register today. So is that really a waiver that we're going to get started building on the wall? Well, not really, because from 2005 to 2008, the department actually used that waiver authority five times. Okay, was a wall built? No, a wall was not built. That does not mean that we are going to be building new wall. It means that they are replacing current wall. They're replacing border fence that currently exists. So no, that is not the building of the new wall. Don't be fooled by the headlines. Well, there's also an attempt that's quite fascinating. A lot of Republicans on various sides of the aisle have decided that it's imperative to flatter Trump into backing their positions. So... The, 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 the fascinating thing to watch right now is that Steve Bannon, who sees himself over at Breitbart as sort of the avatar of Trumpism, right? The great philosopher king of Trumpism. Uh, he's been pushing Trump on some things that I agree with, actually, and some things I don't agree with. But the people who are, who are not on Team Bannon, uh, a lot of those people who, who want Trump to do different things, they're now using Bannon as a foil, and they're picking on Tr Bannon's criticism of Trump in order to drive a wedge. In other words, I think a lot of people have now figured out Trump's gig, his, his whole shtick. His whole shtick is if you praise him, he likes you, and if you criticize him, he doesn't. Right? That's Trump's entire shtick. So a lot of people are basically now pe picking up on this, and they're trying to find instances where their own political opponents have attacked Trump, and then they're trying to highlight to Trump those people are attacking him so he'll move away from their policies. Good example of this. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is obviously in the administration, a lot of people in the administration are not big Bannon fans. He was just ousted a couple of weeks ago. She, uh, Steve Bannon had said that Trump's biggest mistake was firing James Comey, the FBI director. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is trying to drive a wedge between Bannon and Trump. Here she is doing it. I think that everybody knows exactly where the president stands on that issue. The president uh, is proud of the decision that he made. The president was 100 percent right in firing James Comey. Uh, he knew at the time that it could be bad for him politically, but he also knew and felt he had an obligation to do what was right and do what was right for the American people and certainly the men and women at the FBI. Uh, I think there's no secret. Um, Comey, by his own self-admission, leaked privileged government information. We Weeks before President Trump fired him, Comey testified that an FBI agent engaged in the same practice, they'd face serious repercussions. I think he set his own stage for himself on that front. His actions were improper and likely could have been illegal. Comey leaked memos to the New York Times, your own outlet. He politicized an investigation by signaling he would exonerate Hillary Clinton before he ever interviewed her or other key witnesses. Okay, so the, uh, it's smart for, for Huckabee Sanders to, to do all this because she's defending Trump now from Bannon. But here's, here's the giveaway. Here's what Mitch McConnell Connell is doing today. Okay, here's the Senate Leadership Fund. They're specifically going after Steve Bannon because Bannon is trying now to undermine a lot of Mitch McConnell's favorite candidates. So here's what McConnell said. Senate Leadership Fund President and CEO Stephen Law today released the following statement in response to Steve Bannon calling James Comey's firing the biggest mistake in modern political history. Quote, Steve Bannon is dead wrong. Every fact that has come out about James Comey's handling of the Clinton email investigation has affirmed the rightness of President Trump's decision. Now, do you think that Mitch McConnell actually believes that? Or do you think that Mitch McConnell is trying to play the president? And Mitch McConnell is pretty clearly trying to play the president. You're going to get more of this. The Democrats are trying to play Trump by praising him. Mitch McConnell is trying to play Trump by attacking Bannon for attacking Trump. Everyone knows the game now. And the game is personal. It is not political. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate and then a quick Bible talk. So, uh, things that I like. I'm doing children's movies this week because I just have to be in that mood, man. I mean, like going to Berkeley, it's, it's going to be fun and all, but it's also kind of stressful. And so, uh, watching children's movies with my kids, uh, or my kid, because one of them is too young to watch movies, uh, is, uh, is really fun. My daughter right now is obsessed with Bambi. She loves Bambi. This was the golden age of Walt Disney's films. Uh, I believe this was the third Walt Disney film. I think that it went Snow White, Pinocchio, Bambi uh, in order. Um, but Bambi is a masterpiece. I mean, it's just the, the artwork is a masterpiece. Again, the, att the, the attempt to promulgate traditional values in Bambi is very strong. The idea of the father deer and the mother deer and the, and the baby deer, Bambi, growing up into the protector of the herd, right? Males are there to protect is the very strong theme in Bambi. Mothers are there to nurture. Males are there to protect is a very, very strong theme in Bambi. Here's a little bit of the preview. It's such a charming film. Walt Disney, the world's greatest storyteller, brings the world's greatest love story to the screen. Bambi, the story that proves that love can be loaded with laughs. Well... What's the matter with them? They're Twitterpated. Twitterpated? Yes. Nearly everybody gets Twitterpated in the springtime. It's not gonna happen to me. Me neither. It can happen to anybody. For example, you're walking along, minding your own business, when all of a sudden, you run smack into a pretty face. Woo-hoo! <laughs> you begin to get weak in the knees. Your head's in a whoa! I mean, the, the movie, uh, today it would be, oh, it's, it's heteronormative, it's too dark for children. I mean, Bambi's mom gets shot halfway through the film, right? I mean, it's a very dark film. Uh, but, again, it teaches some life lessons that I think, you know, th remember, it, people are just tougher then, okay? Bambi came out in 1942. We were already in the middle of World War II. A lot of dads were off to war. And the idea that, that you know, it was the male job to protect a civilized society, I think it's pretty clear, actually, in the film. I don't think that it's, it's particularly well hidden. Uh, I'm wrong about this being the third film. This is actually film number five, uh, because it goes Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Pinocchio, Fantasia, which is also a masterpiece, uh, Dumbo, which is a masterpiece, Bambi, which is a masterpiece. Those all, I mean, those, those five films are all masterpieces. They're all amazing films. Uh, and then you get into sort of the second iteration of Disney in 1950. Right, that's when you get Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, uh, Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty. All of these are good movies, but I don't think they're quite to the level of the originals. And then you get the dark period for Disney. That's when you get Robin Hood, The Sword and the Stone, The Aristocats. Right, the only great film from that particular period is, is The Adventures of Robin Hood. But you get The Rescuers, The Black Cauldron, right? movies that no one's ever seen because they're not good. And then you have kind of the second... The, the, you have the, the third wave for Disney, uh, which is Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, Pocahontas. Right, a lot of great movies, and now, now it's been taken over by Pixar. But, uh, but Bambi is obviously a phenomenal movie and uh, well worth watching with your kids, especially if you can sit there with the kids so you can fast forward through some of the scary parts. Okay, um, other th okay so time for some things that uh, – one other thing that I like. There's a Barry Weiss column over at the New York Times that I think is really terrific talking about my visit to Berkeley. It's well worth reading. Yes, we have reached the apocalypse when the New York Times opinion page is defending my visit to Berkeley, uh, basically saying that – you know, the left's attempt to lump everyone is, in as Nazis is utterly absurd. Great column by Barry Weiss, and I uh, thank her for writing it. Uh, okay, time for a couple of things that I hate. So one of the things that has happened is that as our technology gets better, we get dumber. 
Uh, we, we seem to have less purpose in the world. I'm, I'm starting to write a book on this right now. We seem to have less purpose. We seem to have less meaning in our lives. And so our technology continues to grow. Our science continues to get better. And then we use it for the stupidest available crap you could possibly imagine. If you can imagine people saying, oh, we've developed technology that allows facial recognition. Right? We've developed technology that allows us to map your face. What could you use that for you know, in, 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 a, in a good way? Well, maybe you could use it to help, for example, teach autistic kids how to recognize emotion, right? That, that seems like a good use of it because uh, a lot of autistic kids have difficulty recognizing emotions and faces. How exactly are we going to use it? However, the way we are going to use it is we are going to make ourselves into talking pieces of poop. This was actually in the Apple iPhone 10 presentation yesterday uh, in, in, uh, in their, big, their big rollout. The True Depth camera also enables new experiences like bringing emojis to life by mapping more than 50 facial muscles in real time so you can be happy or sad or cross you can be any animated character you wish to be you can be a talking piece of poop yeah well welcome to the 21st century we we, we may have given up on you know values and systems we may have given up on the idea of a god that cares about you in the universe but on the other hand, we can, also, we can also make you, we can devolve you to the level of a talking piece of human feces. We can make that happen for you. So that's very exciting stuff. Okay, other things that I hate. There's a lot of talk today about firing Jamel Hill, Jamil Hill. Uh, she is a, a host on ESPN. She does a, a truly awful show with Michael Smith called ST6. I know because whenever I'm working out at the gym, this thing is on. Uh, it's a really crappy show. Um, but this is not a crit my critique of the show, which is indeed garbage. Jamil Hill came out and she, she tweeted this yesterday. Donald Trump is a white supremacist who has largely surrounded himself with other white supremacists. The height of white privilege is being able to ignore his white supremacy because it's of no threat to you. Well, it's a threat to me. Trump is the most ignorant, offensive president of my lifetime. His rise is a direct result of white supremacy, period. He is unqualified, unfit to be president. He is not a leader. And if he were not white, he never would have been elected. Okay, and ESPN quickly responded with this statement. He said, the comments on Twitter from Jamil Hill regarding the president do not represent the position of ESPM. We have addressed this with Jamil. She recognizes her actions were inappropriate. Okay, I hate everything about this. First of all, Jamil Hill is wrong. The idea that Trump is, in a, is a white supremacist is not true. Trump is uh, not good on race issues, but the idea that he himself is a, a white supremacist rather than pandering to uh, a group of white supremacists I think is false. Um, you know, maybe it's a distinction without much of a difference, but I think that it does matter. If you're going to attribute motives to people, we should at least be specific about the motives we attribute. Um, yeah, this idea that that Trump is uh, is the root of all racial evil in the United States is just a repeat of Ta-Nehisi Coates. But she has every right to say it, obviously. She can say whatever she wants. Now, ESPN would be well within its rights to suspend or fire her. They could say, listen, you just alienated half our audience. You're here to talk about sports, not to talk about Donald Trump. But instead, they issue this kind of milquetoast statement saying they don't uh, th that her her actions were inappropriate well I, I don't think they were actually inappropriate i mean she gets paid to talk about all this stuff including politics on her show it seems kind of ridiculous to me that now espn's backing off of this but do they think we don't watch the network the big problem espn is having right now is that i just want to see the highlights of the cleveland indians winning their 20th game in the row instead i turn on the tv and i get colin kaepernick talk for 45 minutes i get how many gay college football players are there for 45 minutes i get What's the latest with Caitlyn Jenner for 45 minutes? Like, I can't get to the actual highlights because all you're doing is spending time talking about stupid political nonsense that I don't care about in any, in any form. And then ESPN is shocked when Jameel Hill feels the freedom to go out and do this. Now, there's another story that came out yesterday that Linda Cohn, who's a longtime anchor, that she was reportedly suspended because she spoke out on politics. 
at the network. She said, I don't think these politics are great at the network. And the president, John Skipper, told her not to come to work and to think about what she said. So she was suspended for saying ESPN was talking too much politics. Jamil Hill was not suspended for saying Trump was racist. They say, here's my feeling about this. Jamil Hill shouldn't be fired. She shouldn't be suspended. Let the audience make their decision about Jamil Hill. Linda Cohen certainly should not be fired or suspended for having the temerity to point out the stupidity of ESPN for going full-scale political. It's one of my pet peeves. I've been talking about it for years. Turning ESPN into MSNBC with footballs is just absurd. Okay, uh, time for a quick Bible talk here. So uh, as we do every week, we are going through portions from the, from the prophets. Because in the Jewish community, we, last year we went over the entire five books of Moses, piece by piece. This year, we are going through the, the portions from the prophets that are associated with them. This is from Isaiah chapter 61. It says, For like the earth, which gives forth its plants, and like a garden that causes its seeds to grow, so shall the Lord God cause righteousness and praise to grow opposite all the nations. This is kind of an interesting verse. The reason it's an interesting verse is because the idea is that all things are invested with potentiality. I've been reading too much Edward Fieser. Uh, that's that book that I recommended a couple of days ago. Uh, and he talks about the Aristotelian notion that objects are, are imbued with potentialities, that a pen is imbued with the potential to write, that a cup is imbued with the potential to hold liquid or to be melted down. We all have potentials, right? We as human beings have potentials. And the earth has the potential to give forth plants. And a garden has the potential to, to give forth to give forth the, the, its seeds to grow. And you have the potential to be a righteous person. And God can help you reach that potential if you trust in him. But you have to understand that in the Aristotelian argument, uh, that there is no unmoved, that, that, that there is an unmoved mover. That, that, that when it comes to growth, that growth requires a mover. Uh, you have free will imbued in you by God, and you can use that to change your life. You can use that to make your life better. You, are, you, you have potential. Just like the earth, just like the garden, you have potential. Trust in God, which really means faith in your own free will to make decisions. Doing that allows you to fulfill that potential. If you sit back and you wait for things to happen for you, if you blame the garden for not growing the seeds, if you blame the earth for not giving forth the plants, if you blame God for your problems, you're not going to get anywhere. You have to understand that it is your job to reach your own potential, and that potential does exist within you. And once you start moving in that direction, I, I firmly believe that God lends a hand. Okay, we will be back here tomorrow, uh, and we will preview the speech at Berkeley. So tomorrow is going to be a big day. Hope you're here. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.